0: All right, grab out your Bibles, everybody. We are in part four of our series, Finding Center, looking at the emotions of Jesus. I told you week one, all right, I told you that when we do this series, honestly, I told you all last year, too, that if we were going to do a series on emotions, that we would do it through the lens of the gospel. And so we have been looking at the emotions of Jesus, how he processed different events in his life, how he came through them in a way that is perfect. And we're patterning our lives. We're after him. And so we talked week one about compassion in the face of grief with the widow's only son. And we talked in week two, we dove into anxiety and what we do in those moments where depression tries to set in. Week three, last week, we looked at anger. How do we process? What do we do with our anger? And week four, as we finish up this series, we're going to contrast two different emotions, the sadness of Jesus and the joy. Because honestly, I think if we think about Jesus, one of the emotions we probably think the least of is his sadness. Because what brought Jesus joy? So many different things. When the lost were found, he had joy. When the broken were healed, Jesus had joy. When the disciples came back and said all that God had done through them, as the 72 came back to report, he was overfilled with joy. But some of the things the Bible talks about, because then it mentions that Jesus cries. And then it says sometimes that Jesus weeps. And so what brings the sadness of Jesus? We're going to look at this in Luke chapter 19, because I think if we look at what brings him sadness, then we'll see what brings him joy. And so we'll contrast those. Look at Luke 19 to start off today. Verse 41, it says, As he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, Jesus begins to weep. Why did he cry? Let's remember, why did Jesus come in the first place? Why did the Father send him? He came to bring life and to bring life more abundantly. He came to rescue the sinner. He came to heal what was broken. He came to bring us back to God when we had been disconnected. He came to proclaim good news to the poor. The opening of prison doors for the prisoner. Jesus came for the sinner. He didn't come for the righteous. He came for the sick. He didn't come for the healthy. Why did Jesus come? He came to repair the breach. And so you look at this. So why was Jesus crying when he looks out? Watch Matthew picks up the story. It says he looks out over Jerusalem. And he begins to cry out. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. Is this why he's crying? Because Jerusalem kills all the prophets and stones. It's not why he's crying. It's a good reason to cry, but it's not why Jesus is crying. Watch this. He says, how often I've wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings. And watch this. One of the most incredible statements Jesus makes. He says, but you wouldn't let me. You wouldn't let me. How often I just wanted to bring you close. How often I wanted to show you my love, to protect you, to heal you of your disease, to to make you whole. How often I wanted to do these things, but you wouldn't let me. What breaks the heart of God? What breaks his heart when he wants to love and protect and heal and comfort? But they wouldn't let him. But they wouldn't let him do it. And so if this is what grieves the heart of God, then what brings him joy? If if this is what grieves him, if this is what makes Jesus weep over Jerusalem, what then brings him joy? And I want to spend the rest of the time we have together just going through one story. One story, and it comes a few chapters earlier than this. As Jesus begins to give this message, and he arrives at this place, Jesus arrives at this moment, and he begins to tell three stories. And I want to look at just one today in Luke chapter 15. Because he tells three stories and he arrives and he tells them in this way that he says this is what causes all of heaven to have joy. Not just Jesus and the father, not just what he says, all of heaven rejoices when these things happen. And the third story of this is what I would call a flannel graph story. All right, let me just explain what that about flannel. You remember back in Sunday school, the flannel graph where you have the little things that attach. Maybe some of you remember, maybe some not. This is just a story that I think we have heard a thousand times over. And so we have stopped reading it like we see the little header coming and we just kind of skip over it because we don't actually read what it says. We just know what it says. We just already know. And so today I just want to kind of look at it maybe a little bit differently. And maybe if you've heard it, you can kind of throw out any preconceived notion you have about it. Because I want to look at it from the idea of what brings Jesus joy, what causes him to have joy. But Jesus, the greatest storyteller in the history of the world, he starts this story and he says there was a father who had two sons. And some of you are already like, well, I know this story, so I'm just going to check out. Listen to me, everybody, all right? Throw out the flannel graph today. Just listen to the story as Jesus tells it. He says there was a father who had two sons. And he says the younger of the sons comes to his father. He's like, Dad, I want my inheritance right now. I'm finished. I'm done. I'm out. Like, just give me what's owed me and I'll be on my way. Which is incredible to me, because I I have to imagine this boy did not wake up one day and just decide, like I'm just going to say. Because in that culture, as Jesus tells this story, this would have been incredibly disrespectful. This idea that, Dad, I just want my inheritance now, just give me what is owed me, on its face would be disrespectful. We understand if your son or daughter said that to you, you'd have a whole different response. But in that culture, this would have been incredibly disrespectful, not only to the father, but to what he represented. It's basically the son telling him, dad, I wish you were already dead. Because that's when the inheritance would be passed. He said, dad, I'm, I'm rejecting any influence you might have over me, any influence you might have in the future. I wish you were already dead. Just give me the money and the property and the things that are owed to me. Incredible to my, the arrogance of this day. Because the father could have said, I mean, here's a smack upside your head, right? That's, that is what is owed to you. That is what I will, I will gladly give you, my son. But amazingly, the father doesn't. Instead, the father says, yeah, sure. Okay. And he gives him his inheritance. And so the story continues. The son leaves the house and he goes out and he begins to go to a far country and begins to squander his inheritance in living all the ways that he always wanted to live. And so he's living it big. He's throwing money left, right and center. So he's got plenty of friends around him, right? He's got this idea of what his life could be and he does it to the fullest. And then as the story goes, Jesus said he squanders it, as you can imagine, all of his wealth. And then as the story goes, the nation is hit with a famine, and he begins to starve. And so his life has started now. He's thought everything that I ever wanted to do, I am now doing. My father is in the distance in the rearview mirror. And now the famine has come. He's wasted all his wealth and he begins to starve. His money is gone. His friends, you can believe, are far gone. And he finds himself starving. And so he goes to a citizen of that place where he is and he begs for a job. He's like, can I just do anything? Can you give me? And the guy's like, well, you can feed the pigs. And so now this boy has found himself not in his father's house. He finds himself in a pig pen feeding the pigs. And Jesus said he actually looks at the food that the pigs are eating, that he is giving them. And he wonders how it would taste. Now, I have fed pigs exactly three times in my entire life, everybody, like Louisiana hogs, like seven, eight hundred pound monsters. Come on, somebody, you know what these things are like they will eat you as quickly as they eat whatever's in the barrel. Not one time during those feedings did I ever think and look in that slosh that we were making and thought, yeah, this is the stuff. Like, yeah, this is, this is what I think dinner should. I, I Not one time. In fact, I can still smell what it smelled like on a bad day. Everybody, when the wind changes, I still remember what that's like. This boy is looking and he's thinking, I wonder if that tastes good or not. And he said, not only that, he went so far. He longed to fill his stomach with what the pigs were eating. He longed for it. Can you, have you ever drifted so far that you don't even recognize where you are? Have you ever found yourself, maybe you've drifted or by whatever choice or whatever wrong choice, you have found yourself in a completely foreign place or you've made so many decisions, you don't even recognize the person or the place that you are. One time when I was younger, some buddies and I went down to uh, Tunica Hills to hike and one lost map led to one wrong turn, led to 8000 wrong turns and we found ourselves lost Ended up 10 miles outside the preserve. Come on, somebody. And on private hunting ground, which was a whole other story to itself. Had to get 911 to get it. was very embarrassing. All right, It was, very, it was a bad, bad time in my life. I blocked that out. But we got so lost. One wrong turn. Have you ever drifted? Have you ever just found yourself thinking, okay, I know I made that decision, but I don't remember the 18 between now and then, and I sure don't recognize where I am. This boy looks around himself in a pig pen. Not just he just fell on heart. He's in a pig pen thinking the food looks good. If you ever drifted? Because if I put myself in the place of this younger son, I don't think he ever thought, okay, I'm going to get out with my inheritance. I'm going to get out under the father's house, under his rules and whatever it is. I'm going to do everything I plan on doing. I'm going to spend all this money, have lots of friends, but just you wait, because one day I'm going to be feeding pigs. One day this thing is going to happen. I'm going to be feeding pigs in the pen. He probably thought now I can enjoy life. If you've ever been a teenager, you're probably thinking, now I can enjoy life away from authority. I can do what I want to do. I can do all the things how I think they should happen. Have you ever been in a situation where you planned for something to happen? Where you set aside, okay, this and then I'll do this and then I'll do that. And five years later, you realize I am nowhere near where I thought I would be. Nothing looks how I thought life. I wake up every morning and life just doesn't look anything like I thought it would. Have you ever drifted? And let's take it just a step further. Have you ever drifted where not only you are far, but your relationship with God has suffered? Have you ever let it drift so far that you made a decision after decision and you didn't mean to make the first one and the second one just flowed out of it and now your relationship with God is as distant as you can make it? And you say, well... I just, I don't, I don't know if I have the time and I just don't understand if I have the the resources. It's just not as convenient. This young son, he makes mistake after mistake and he finds himself lost. He finds himself suffering. He has nothing to look forward to. He has no safety net. He's burned all of his bridges. He finds himself in a pickpin. Have you found yourself maybe during this season, honestly, maybe because of the last couple of years, you find yourself drifting making decision after decision you find yourself lost you say well i don't know if i want to be around other believers i just don't have the time it's just not convenient when i need to do that thing or i, I lord knows where my bible actually is cuz i'm you know 87 chapters behind in the reading plan and i'll get it together i'll get that thing going or you know i'll pray i'll find a spot in the day to pray It just has to be tomorrow cuz today is way too busy but tomorrow i'll fix this thing and i'll find the moment and we just make short small decisions and we drift And we drift. We plan out things and we drift. One bad decision, one bad choice. And we're lost. Because that's how this boy is feeling. Have you ever felt lost? He's dirty. He's wretched. He probably smells incredibly bad. He's in this pen with the pigs. Wondering if their food is good enough to eat. There are situations where we get so rock bottom that the most terrible thing starts to look good. It's amazing how the enemy can prey on our minds like that. But when you read verse 17, this is actually a powerful moment. Because then Jesus says in verse 17, he says, when he came when this boy comes to his senses. In the pig pen, looking at the food, thinking if he could even eat what the pigs were eating. So when he came to his senses. He says, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. He realizes where he is. He realizes where his choices have made. He knows he's messed up. He knows he's hurt the father. He knows he's, he's done things that are irreparable in his mind. He knows he's run so far. He realizes the full scope of what he has done. And the verses after this, he starts to rehearse what he could possibly tell the father. Because listen to me, not only does he come to his senses, he realizes where he is. But watch this. This is incredibly important. He doesn't stay where he is. And I think we skip this so often because we think, well, that's great for the prodigal son, but it would never work for me. He stays, he's sitting there in the pen, he thinks, I, I realize I've come to my senses, I know how bad this thing has actually gotten. But in his mind, he going say, What could I say? What could I do? And then watch what he does. He doesn't stay where he is. Because the sad part is so many of us we get to a place where we're so lost, we're so broken. And we decide that what we have done is just too terrible to be repaired. And so we let it lead us to even worse decisions. And we get to the moment where we think, well, there could be no forgiveness for me or there could be no redemption for me. I've broken everything I could possibly break. I have ruined every relationship. I have turned everything my back on. I am in a place where I could never be redeemed. And we let that drive us even further from God. But watch what this boy does. Verse 20, he says, he finally comes to his senses. He says, what if I go home? It's just, he's in this moment. And and if you can't just put yourself in his, he has broken everything. He has ruined everything. And in his mind, he thinks, what if I just go home? Verse 20, he got up and he went to his father. Listen to me. We are talking about the joy of Jesus, but you want to find joy in your own life. It starts with turning back to the father. You want to find actual joy in your life. You say, nothing looks how I planned it. Nothing went the way I planned it. Everything has drifted and I'm so far away. It starts with turning back to God. You want true joy that comes in your life that the world cannot take away from you. It starts with turning back to the father. One step. And this boy, he decided, you know what? I need to go home. So he starts to go and watch what happens. Verse 20, the rest of that verse, it says he gets up and goes towards the father. But while he was a long way off, it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Yeah. Jesus said, while he was still a long way, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him. And watch as he ran to his son. Yeah. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. I love this picture. The son is thinking, you know what? I have messed up so much. There is no way my father could accept me. And you read the story, he thinks, I'll tell him I'll just be a servant. I'll tell him, let me just be a slave in your house. I'll tell him, I don't deserve to be a son anymore, but let me just work my way back in. Let me just do whatever. I'll just, I'll ask to be a servant. I don't expect to be back in my position. And he's come up with these things that he wants to tell the father before he can even get there to say it all. The father runs to him. Says he throws his arms around him. Says he throws his arms. He kisses him filled with compassion. Here's the picture of what Jesus wants us to understand. He's saying, this is a picture of the heavenly father. And I don't care how anybody has ever described God to you. Jesus, the son is describing the father to you in this moment. That he's saying when this son turns back, it's walking home. The father is so excited. He runs to the son. Because if we wrote this story, if this was us as the father, we'd say the father stayed on the porch, right? Tapping his foot, arms crossed, come and grovel before me. Come and list everything that you ever did wrong. Come and said, come and do, come and do all these penance things. Yeah, you could maybe work your way back in 10, 15, 20 years. We'll see if you can repay everything that you took from me. Bring back that inheritance in cash and we'll talk. Now, this father, the father's heart, he looks out, he sees his son and he runs to him. And I can picture this boy just dirty and messed up and probably smelling. I can smell what this boy smells like. It says the father hugs him like only our heavenly father could, wraps his arms around him. Kisses him. Then he says, bring the robe and bring the sandals and bring my ring. He's so excited. He says, my son, who I thought was dead, is still alive. My son, who I thought was dead, is still alive. And he doesn't stop there. He says, bring my best robe. Bring my sandals. Bring my ring because I'm going to cover my son. I'm going to cover this mess. This thing that he thought was irreparable. This connection that he thought he had done too much to come back. I said, I'm going to cover it. I'm going to repair. I'm going to repair the breach. I'm going to do what he cannot do. And the son begins to give his message thing. And the father just says, cover him with with the robe. Give him the ring on his finger. This is my son who was dead and is now alive. And in this, Jesus gives us the next step that we take. And he says, you don't have to get it all together to come to God. You just come as you are. This boy probably smelled worse than anything you can imagine. This boy probably looked worse. This boy had done more than probably anybody in here has done. And the father just hugs him and loves him because here he comes back, his son who was dead and is now alive. And Jesus just says, come as you are. Listen to me. You don't have to get it together to come to God. You come to God to get it together. He begins to cover him. He puts the robe on him. He puts his ring on him. You remember where the son was thinking, I've done things that are unforgivable. Could I just be a servant? Could I just earn my way back? Could I earn it? And that's not the way that it works. This to me. The cross says there's nothing we can do in our own power to earn it. There's nothing no good we can do to outweigh the bad in our lives. There's no amount of works we can heap up to try to outdo our sin. Nothing we could do, but all that Christ has done for us. It's why Jesus came, it's why he died on a cross, it's why he rose again, so that anyone could be forgiven of their sins. And the son has his speech, and maybe you've thought about that God, could I get Could I just do enough, not to be a son, but just to be a slave? And the father looks and says, there's nothing you could do to earn it, but Christ's sacrifice. It's why he came, to bring people just like us back to the father, to heal the breach. It's the picture Jesus is sharing all throughout this chapter of when one person turns back to God. When one person makes a decision, you know what, I am a sinner. You know what, I have done wrong. You know what, I have and I need forgiveness. And he says, not only that, but all of heaven rejoices. And we say, I don't deserve it. So the father in his joy decides to throw a party. He's so excited. He doesn't just stop with repairing the breach. He doesn't just stop with the robe and the ring and the sandals. No, he calls the servants and he says, kill the fattened calf. Let's get some music. Let's get this thing going because my son who was dead is now alive. And they throw a rager, everybody. It is a party above because you can hear it all the way out in the fields. And they begin to dance and sing and all these things because his son who was dead is now alive. And he begins to party and then he hears. And so then you remember, though, as we continue this story, not only, not only does he turn back to the father, not only does he come just as he is. But you remember there were two sons. If I can draw your attention way back. And so the second son out in the field, working all day to increase the father's wealth, working all day to do the things he's supposed to do, he hears the party going on. And he comes in out of the fields and he's kind of bewildered at first. And he's wondering, okay, why are they throwing a party? Why? What, and he's probably, he probably thought, okay, I'll just head in. Something has happened. Something, and he grabs a servant and he's like, what is going on in the party? And the servant says, your brother who was lost is now found. Your brother who ran off and squandered a third of your father's wealth. The brother who ran so far has now come back home. And not only has he come home, but your father has thrown a party for him kill the fattened calf, done all these things, forgiven him, put his robe, the ring, the sand, all the things, and your father has thrown the party. And watch this reaction because you think this brother would be as thrilled as the father was, but he's not. In fact, the opposite occurs. Verse 28, it says, The older brother becomes so angry he refuses to even go inside. And so his father gets word of that. He comes out and he pleads with him. And you have one son at home that left the house. Squandered everything, but now wants nothing to do with the father. But now he's repented and come back home. You have the other son who is technically still at home this entire time. But watch this. However long he has spent there, his heart is still the exact opposite of the father's. As much as he wants to claim that he is a part of what the father is doing, as much as he wants to be a part of all that his heart is so far from the father's that he reacts in such a different way. He didn't care if his brother was alive. He didn't care that he had repented and come home. He says, haven't I faithfully done everything? Haven't I followed all of the things you gave me to do? I didn't run off with your inheritance. I didn't do all of those things. Haven't I followed every rule you ever, have I ever caused you trouble? Haven't I followed it all? And it's so easy to find fault. So easy to think, well, that's just a terrible, no good brother. We don't think about our own siblings. We don't think about, we just think that terrible, no good brother. How could he possibly, how could he treat his younger brother like this? How could he be so far from the father's heart? But if we have just a moment of vulnerability, everybody, haven't we done the exact same thing? And we might not say it, but I guarantee all of us have thought it. But we begin to think, well, haven't I? Going to church every every Sunday. And haven't I kept up with that impossible Bible reading? And haven't I done all these things? And haven't I kept all of the rules? But listen to me. Your relationship with God. Are you just checking every box? Or do you actually have a relationship with the heart of the Father? Because listen to me. And this is probably one of the hardest things I can preach to Christians. And that is have you followed every rule. But your heart is so far from him that you can't even recognize it. Have you done everything that was asked of you? Because this brother follows every rule and yet his heart is as far from the father's as the younger brother was. His heart is straight as far because we let love of rules come before love of people and we have missed the point entirely. We have run so far from it and the father pleads with the youngest son because listen to me. He pleads with him to come in because the father loved the rebellious son, but he also loves the son who stayed at home. He loves them both. And the father is saying to your brother who was lost has now come back. Your brother who was lost. And I think sometimes we have this us, them mentality. But listen to me. We are all sheep. Some are found and some are lost, but we are all sheep. And he's saying to him, your brother who was lost, no different than you, no different. But he was lost, but now he's found. And so we should celebrate. And he pleads with this brother. in Verse 31, he says, my son, talking to the older brother. You are always with me and everything I have is yours. Everything I have. You underestimate your value. You underestimate what's where He says, you, you're my son. Everything I have, but we have to celebrate because his brother was dead, but is alive again. I think so many times we view following Jesus as a set of rules and we have missed it. We have missed it. We're missing the point. I don't want any of us to end up like the older brother thinking, well, I checked all of the boxes. No, no, it's about a relationship with the heavenly father. It's about aligning ourselves with his heart, loving people. It's about watching on the porch with him for the lost to come home. Instead of out in the field, it's watching for the lost. It's running to them instead of shutting the door in their face. And if we ever put the rules ahead of the people, then we have missed it entirely. We have missed it entirely. Shame on us as Christians if we ever make this about ourselves. If we ever hold the cross hostage to our own personal preference. If we ever think, well, this is how I think it should. And this is what I, if we ever shame on us as Christians. we are called to love. What brings joy to the heart of God? When the broken are healed. When the sinners are brought to repentance. When the lost are found. Bow your heads with me as we pray today. I just want to begin to pray. Father, you would just give us a heart aligned with yours. Give us eyes, God, that see like yours. Lord, that we would never think we're in the fields doing what we think should be done when we should be watching for the lost. God, change our hearts. And as you bow your heads today, I also want to give an invitation. If you listen maybe to the first part of the sermon and you're like the younger brother, you're distant from God And maybe life is not how you pictured it. And maybe you woke up one day, one, ten, a thousand wrong decisions later, and you're so far from God, you don't even recognize where you are anymore. Listen to me. Jesus is giving you the heart of the Father towards you. You say, I find myself lost. I feel like God is a million miles away. I don't feel like it could ever be repaired. I don't feel like I could ever do it. Listen to me. You can't. But Jesus already did. And the Bible says he went to the cross for the forgiveness of sins. And it didn't stay dead. It says he rose again. So anyone, listen to me, anyone. Not the super righteous. Not the holier than thou. Not anybody, anyone could be saved. Not just the ones who stick it, Not just the ones who say. Anyone could be including you. I don't care how anybody has ever described God to you. Listen to me. He loves you more than you could possibly imagine. And he still wants you. Don't care how far you've run. I don't care the things and the decisions you have made. He still wants you. And so today, if that's you, if you feel that. It starts with turning your heart back to the father like that younger son in the pig pen it says he came to his senses let this moment right now that you come to your senses that you realize okay i know where i am but i'm turning back to god let this be the moment and i would just invite you i'm not going to call you to the front i'm not looking to embarrass you in front of everybody right now you make a decision for your own life But our church, we have dedicated ourselves. We will pray this prayer with every single person who wants to pray it. It's a prayer of surrender. And I can tell you the words. You have to say them and mean them in your own heart. You have to make this decision to surrender your life, to repent of your sins. But right now you have an opportunity not to join a church, not to do some dead religion, not to do anything. We have an opportunity right now to follow Jesus to let the past be the past, to have forgiveness of your sins and to follow him. And so we'll pray it with you, but right now you decide. You say, that's me. I know I'm done running and I'm turning back to him. Right now I want to take one step. That's you, church. Pray it with him. And that's you. Say, Jesus, forgive me of all of my sin, of all my mistakes. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose again. And I make you the Lord of my life. Now, Father, I pray right now over those of us, God, who maybe have already arrived at the cross a little earlier than others. Father, I just pray right now, align our hearts with yours. Because listen to me, church, maybe you are the older brother. Maybe you are checking all of the boxes, but your heart looks nothing like our father's. Maybe you are doing all the things that you feel like you had to do, but you have no heart for other people right now. Let's get some things right before we go. Let's pray together. Father, would you align our heart? Give us a broken heart for the lost. Give us love for the broken God. Would we find joy in seeing others brought to Jesus? Teach us, Lord, to love others. Teach us to align our hearts with the fathers. Let us always have our eyes to the harvest. Always have our eyes on others. Always in love. Always ready to share the news of Christ's cross and the victory won there. Lord, send us opportunities to reach people. And give us the eyes of love to reach them when you do. We pray it all in Jesus' name. And all God's church said, Amen. And amen. Come on, church. Can we give him praise for what he's done today?